Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. guys welcome to learning bible truth i am your host and teacher dr Kamala d now we are embarking on part two of the prayer of faith being taught by the late great apostle frederick casey price senior i hope you enjoyed part one part two he will focus more on um believing what you say and your desires um, and believing that you received them and you will have them. Now, before we get started, I want to say a prayer. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Heavenly Father, as we go forth with this message, please open the minds and hearts of those you choose to listen to this message. Open the minds so that they can understand. Open their hearts so that they can believe and receive this message more importantly, your word never returns to you void when it is rightly divided to your people. Your word says, feed your sheep. This is great food, Heavenly Father, and we thank you for it. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. So saints, I want you guys to get your pen and paper, get your notes, get your Bible, write down these scriptures so that you can study them later. Remember, you have to study to show yourself approved. So let's get ready to eat some good food. In our Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 11 and also Matthew chapter 21, our subject is the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Now, I talked about some of the things that we're covering in this topic in our last series on prayer which was prayer and how to do it and many of the truths dovetail together because they're interrelated so i have to go over some of the same things and uh, just because you say something people don't always get it anyway so you know we need to go over it and over it and over it line upon line here a little there a little until we get it into our spirit and then until such time that it affects our lives, because that's the bottom line, not to be entertained or just informed, although that might have an aspect, that might be an aspect of it, but the bottom line is so that it affects my life in a way that changes my circumstances for the better. Now, uh, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, we're talking about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. We looked, actually, we looked at it last time in the book of James, where James said, uh, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And so we asked the question, well, what is the prayer of faith? It must be different than other prayers, or else you wouldn't have to call it the prayer of faith. You just say prayer. So we know that there must be other kinds of prayer. And we touched on that, and we will again. But Mark eleven twenty four is the prayer of faith. This is where you, just you and God, are in communion and conversation with one another. It is where you are petitioning God. The prayer is also called the prayer of petition, prayer of faith and or the prayer of petition. Now, Jesus outlines the ingredients of the prayer. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And, and I actually, in terms of this particular scripture, I like the traditional. Both of them basically say the same thing, but they say it in a little different way. 
in the New King James, it says in verse 24, Therefore I say to you, now both, it says that in both places, and I like that because this lets me know this is Jesus talking, this is the head of the church talking, so this is authentic, this is important, this is coming from the main man, if you would. He says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever things you ask, the traditional says, what things soever you desire, basically it means the same thing, what ever things you ask when you pray. Now, these, these are aspects that govern the prayer faith, and it's exceedingly important to understand them, and like I demonstrated last week with our select group over here, uh, it's interesting how you can hear things and you think you got it, you really think you understand it, and yet there are elements of it that you miss which are the key elements or the most important elements, and so the whole structure crumbles because you don't have everything lined up the way it should. So Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask or what things whatever you desire, when you pray. So I know that my desire, my wants, are executed at the time that I pray. That's the vehicle by which I make them known to God through prayer. So he says, Therefore I say unto you, or say to you, whatever things you ask or desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now, this is, the, this is the hardest part, is that when you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe that you receive them when you pray. Believe that you receive them. And you know, the natural question could arise in your mind. Well, why, why do I have to believe it when I pray? Can't I believe it when I get it? You know, can't I believe it when it comes? Because after all, seeing is believing. But he said, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now, that's the key right there where many miss it. The traditional says, what things soever ye desire or you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And I always like to ask the question, what are you going to have? See, he said, you shall have them. Shall have them what? See, he said, what you prayed for. What you believe for. See, he said, what you believe for. See, and, and they both missed it. Sincerely. I know they were sincere. That is so, I mean, it is so awesome. It is so simple that people miss it. You know, God said he made his words so simple, so plain, that the fool can get it. Now, you know if the fool can get it, there's hope for you. I didn't call any names. But see, see, we get fixated on the things we want or the desires. And so all we see and hear in that verse, oh, I'll get, I, I, I shall have it. I will get it. I'll get it. That's not what he said. He said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. See, see get fixated on T-H-E-M, them. It's used twice. Get fixated on the them. The, those are the operative words. What things soever you desire, what things soever you desire, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. Believe you receive them, 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 you shall have them. See, the only thing you're going to shall have is what you believe you receive. So we get fixated on the desire and the thing that we want, and we're thinking that's what we're going to get. Well, that is, but I won't get it if I don't believe I receive it when I pray for it. 
Let me say that again because it's still folk are starstruck. I mean, they're sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> they're just blinking. It, 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 because it's so, it's so, it's so simple. I'm, I'm attempting to make it s simple, and, and it, somehow you're hearing it difficult. See, he said, "What things wherever you desire, when you pray, see, we get hung up on the desire. I want a new car. I want a house. I want clothes. I want a job, or even something that I need. We we get hung up on that, and that's all we hear. We can't get past that. What things wherever you desire, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. What things wherever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them." So we think that what I'm going to have, shall have, is my desire. Now, that's, that is true, but that part of it, you don't even have to consider anymore once you make your request or desire known, the thing that's going to cause it or cause you to shall have, which is future to the time you pray, is the fact that you believed that you received it when you prayed. Now, another, I didn't say this, but another real simple way to get it, and, and if you don't get this this time, you're just plain dumb. I'm joking. I'm joking. I just want to get your attention. I'm serious. This is a prayer of faith. If you want faith to work, you literally have to believe you got it before you get it. Amen. Amen. Now, I, can, I, you know, I just don't know how to make it any plainer than that. You have to believe you got it before you get it. And it's believing you got it before you get it that causes you to get it. Now, that... that that little simple principle makes everything in the kingdom of God work. That one little simple faith principle is the key to making everything in the kingdom work, and it's the key to accessing everything in your new covenant. Everything in your new covenant comes that way. Okay? All right. I got to move on. Jesus said, what things whoever you desire when you pray, or what things whoever you ask when you pray, believe you receive it, and you'll have it. So I have to believe that I have it before I ever see it. That's what faith is, because remember, faith is the evidence of things not seen. So if I see it, I don't have to believe it. I know it. Remember the illustration I used over there with the elite group in that section? Remember that? You remember that? See? And, and, and see people sit right here and say, well, I, I, that's so, I understand that, and they didn't understand it. I asked a simple question. How many of you believe I'm standing here teaching to you? And he said, oh, yeah, hallelujah, raise your hand. And then I asked the question, well, you, you can't see me? You don't see me? You don't see me? Well, why wouldn't you know? Don't, you don't know I'm here. You just, you just believe I'm standing up here teaching. You don't know it. I want to go slow because I want, I want you to get this. This, this principle... I don't, I don't know how to say it in a way that, that I can get it across to you. That, that principle took me. I have to use me because I, I don't really know. I don't know your level of commitment. I, I don't know how far you want to go. I don't know how far you're willing to go. See? So I can't make an assumption. So I've got to deal with me cause, because I know how far... I will go. In fact, I know how far I went. I came. But I don't know yours. You have to be willing to, make, to take a stand on this and then never deviate. See, you can't deviate. And I guess probably most, just, just, just dawned on me, probably the reason why many people can't get this is because they're not very disciplined. You have to be extremely disciplined. You know, you, you have to be, and, and anybody can be that. that. That's not genetically transmitted. That's just a commitment that you make. It's just a decision that you make, that I'm going to stay with this thing until it produces a result, the result that I want. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to look to the right, to the left. I'm not going back. I'm going to stand right here until this thing produces. If it doesn't produce, 
then I'll know it's no good. But I'm willing to make that commitment. That takes discipline because you, the circumstances are constantly shifting around us. And they're not always good shifts. And so you get caught up and fixated in the circumstance. And then you allow the circumstance to siphon off your attention onto the circumstance. And then you try to figure out, now how can I fix this circumstance when you just left the very thing that could do the fixing? But you didn't stay there long enough for it to produce. So I, I took this, this, this very thing that, that I'm telling you now, 30 years ago, 32 years ago, I got a hold of this. It took me from poverty to wealth. It took me from sickness to health. It changed not only my present life circumstances at the time, it changed my destiny. Changed my destiny. This simple, Mark eleven twenty four. This is it. This, this is it. It's my favorite verse. If you ever ask me to sign your Bible or <laughs> autograph your Bible or autograph any of my books, that's the, that's the scripture I always put because that, that was the key that unlocked the door that set me free. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you have to believe that you have it before you get it. And the only thing you will ever shall have is what you believed you received when you prayed. And, and so, and God has made it easy. I've said it before, but I, I just, I need to keep saying it because I don't know, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's not academic truth, it's spiritual truth. And it takes a little time to really get into your spirit where your spirit can educate your mind. Because your mind can get in the way. You know, I don't understand that or it doesn't make sense, stuff like that, you know. And, and you got to get past that. Just simply take God at his word. And so, you got to believe that you have it before you get it. So he said, for things whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, you'll have it. Now, it may, he's made it really easy because, like I said before, that means I only have to pray one time about it. All I have to pray one time. Praise God, I got it. First time I pray, got it. Every time. Every time. Never fails. Now... There are some things that impact on that. And, and, and I have to mention these. Where is your level of faith right now? Where are you? See, where are you? What, what, what's your le do you know what your level of faith is? Do you know where you are faith-wise? For instance, using a very common illustration, I know exactly how much money I have in the bank. None of your business. <laughs> and I said, how much? None of your business. I'm not going to tell. But now he, no, here's my point. The reason that there are some people that have bank accounts, they ain't got the foggiest idea how much they got in the bank because they write checks and write into the church and about the check bounces because of non-sufficient funds. So that meant they did not know how much they had in the bank when they wrote the check. It's impossible. All things being equal, the banks can make mistakes. They are human. My bank's pretty doggone good, though. I'm very seldom that they ever made a mistake on mine. I can't even remember when they made a mistake. So they do pretty good being humans, you know. They don't have robots working in my branch. They have actual live, you know, people with blood in their veins. And they make very few mistakes. And so I've never, I've never had a check come back for insufficient funds since I've been writing checks for, God, 30-some years now. I know exactly how much, I write, how much money I have in the bank, so I never, I never write more than I have in the bank. Now, I'm just using that as an illustration. You should be that same way with your faith. You ought to know how much you got in your faith account so that you don't end up writing a check of faith that cannot be cashed because you are overdrawn. And you end up with a bounce check, bounce faith check. Okay? So, when I pray for things wherever I desire, because, you know, you could desire a whole lot. I mean, probably most people would say, well, shoot, I desire a million dollars. You know, that's fine. And he said, what things soever you desire. But also, based upon other scriptural principles, which God can't put in every single individual verse, 
So you've got to go search the rest of the scriptures to find out what are the principles that impact this particular principle that he's enunciating here so that it'll all work. You, you have a million dollar desire, but do you have a million dollars in your faith bank account? Do you have million dollar faith? See, that's going to control it. That's going to impact on You may have a desire for the big house on the hill, but you're struggling to pay your $50 a month rent in that little shack you got and you're living in. See what I mean? So it's not going to work. See, your desire, oh, get this. Your desire doesn't make it work. So you could conceivably have a desire that's much bigger than your level of faith at its present state of development, and as such, it will not be able to pull that that you desire into your little hot hand. See, it's not God. Get this. It's not God as such, that just brings it and dumps it in your lap. It, it is God in that God has provided, but it's your faith that pulls it into your little hot hand. That, that's just the way that God has designed the system. So your desire, here's what your desire does. Your desire doesn't make it work. Your desire will not make it work. Your desire simply focuses your faith. But if your faith is focused on something that's so far away that your faith can't pull it into where you can visually see it, 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 it can't come to pass. Because it's not God. It's not God in the sense that He's just sitting there waiting for you to say, "I desire, uh, I desire a house on the hill." Boom! God's gonna drop the house on on the hill in your hand. Uh, I desire a million dollars in my pocket. Boom! God's gonna just drop the million dollars. It doesn't work that way. Because really, if you think about it, everything that you desire, probably I'll say it this way: ninety-nine percent of all the things you desire, all the things that you want, all the things that you'd like to have, and all the things that you need. I'll guarantee you 99% of them are already right here in the earth realm. It's not a, a, a matter of there being a shortage of those things. It's just a shortage for you. You don't have them. <laughs> All the things are already here, but you don't have them. Now, you can get them by just getting enough money and buying them. So you don't even need God and you don't even need faith. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the, the kingdom of God. We're talking about how God, how God designed the system for his people to reap the benefits. See? But there are laws that work, and even if you're not a Christian, if you work the law, it'll produce for you. But you just go to hell with a big house on the hill. You know, you, you've got a million dollars in the bank, but you go to hell. So what good did that do you? See what I mean? We wanted, I want the whole enchilada. I, I want the whole thing. I want all of it. And God designed it for you to have. This is the key that unlocks the door to, to everything. Okay? So I can have a desire, but do I have the level of faith to cause that desire to come to pass? The desire focuses where I want my faith to go, but now does, is my faith strong enough? Is it developed enough to pull that in? So you have to ask yourself, where, where's my faith? Where's my level of faith? And I, I have a question that I like to ask people that I use as a barometer, as a test, to find out where your faith is. Ask yourself the question, what can you believe God for? Now listen to what I said, because some of you, you missed that when I said it. You didn't hear what I said. Your mind automatically interpolated what I said into your way of thinking, and you didn't hear what I said. I said, what can you believe God for? I did not say, 
What do you believe God can do? Because you say, oh, I believe the Lord can do anything. I didn't ask you that question. That's not the issue. I said, what can you believe God for? Now, since all of us in this society are dependent upon money in order to obtain goods and services, that's all that stands between you and goods and services, just money. If you have enough money, you can buy anything that's manufactured by human, right? Anything. Anything. It just takes enough money, and you can purchase it. So using that principle as a common denominator, then what, what can you believe God for? And a wonderful place to test it. This is not a criticism now, so don't get... Don't go getting guilt. Don't get on a guilt trip. But it's, it's just a fact. How much money, honey, are you willing to trust God with? Now, I'm going to pause the, the lesson right here because I need to fast forward past this because he strays away from the, the lesson briefly. But I'm going to tell you why I'm going to fast forward past it. Because what he is about to teach on is inaccurate. Now, this was taught a while back. And trust me, the Apostle Price, he was Dr. Price then, is an excellent teacher. But what he is about to teach on, he did not rightly divide the scriptures because he did not do an in-depth study to find more scriptures to support what he's about to teach on. In fact, the scriptures that support what he was about to teach on or is about to teach on doesn't exist. They actually contradict what he's teaching on. However, this year his son made the correction and made it in front of his dad. That's how honest Fred Price is. And of course, you know his son had to talk to him about it and say, Dad, I'm about to teach on this. I know you taught on this years ago. And what I'm about to teach on is contrary. And I'm quite sure his dad agreed because I looked at I looked at the faces of the two of them while his son was teaching and his son was teaching contrary to what he taught on years ago and his dad had a humbled look on his face so you know that's the humbled look of a true man of God so you're gonna hear a slight pause in the tape and then you will hear Apostle Price get back on track so I just want you to sit back and listen so what things wherever you desire when you pray believe you receive them and you shall have them now go to Matthew uh, because this is a very similar, Matthew, the 21st chapter, just to, to see it in another another setting to know, to let you know that it's, it's, it's the same principle. All right, look at the 22nd verse, Matthew 21, 22, Jesus again is speaking, and he says basically the same thing that he said here in Mark 11, 24, he says, and whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. He says it a little different there. But Mark 11, 24, just really, it, it captures it without question. You'd have to really hire somebody to help you misunderstand that. Say, what things wherever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So that makes prayer easy. It makes you makes focusing your desire easy. And so that all you, all you have to do is just believe that you receive, and then you don't ever pray about that again in terms of asking for it. Because if you ask for it the second time or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the hundredth time, you keep, you keep erasing the prayer you prayed before because you're not in faith. If you were in faith, you'd never pray about it, never ask for it again, because you already have it. See, remember he said you got to believe you receive it. Well, if you believe you receive it, you say this. Well, I believe I receive. Well, I heard you pray. What did you do? Well, I believe I receive. Well, do you have it now? I said, I believe I receive. Yeah, but I don't see it. I said, I believe I receive. See, I make, that's a confession of faith. That is a faith fact, not Not a physical fact. You, 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 you have to get past it. It's not a physical fact. It's a faith fact. That's when he, see how you put all these scriptures together. That's when Hebrews 11.1 1 comes into play, where it says faith is the evidence of the thing not seen. Faith is the evidence or proof of the thing not seen. So in Mark 11.24, that's why you have to put all these things together. He says, what things wherever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So I, if I believe I receive them when I pray, then I'll say I believe I receive. Yeah, but 
Do you have it? I believe I do. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. I know it. It's not sense. It's faith. And faith is the evidence of the thing not seen. Yeah, but how do you know? How do you know that can come to pass? Because God said it. Right here, tell me what things are about. As I want to pray, believe I receive them, and He said I shall have them. Yeah, but but can you see it? No. Well, how do you know you have it? Well, how do you know you have brains? When have you seen your brains? <laughs> it's amazing how we can believe in one area and not even have a question about it. If I ask anybody in this room right now or watching my television, do you have a brain? Every one of you says, yeah. I guarantee you've never seen it. 99% of you, unless you had some kind of test or something done. You know. But they told us we had a brain. Right? And we've always believed what people have told us. So we believe we have a brain, but you've never seen it. But now you can't believe God. And, you, and, you, and, 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 and he said it in his word. Then take it over in the natural realm. You go to work for somebody and they give you a piece of paper at the end of the week that says it's got $1,500 written on a piece of paper. That piece of paper is not even money. As such, I mean, you don't really have a coin of the realm in your hand yet, but you believe you do because you got that check. And that check is your expression of faith. You got so much faith in it, you take it down to the bank and cash it or take it to wherever you're going to go and you cash that check. You, I mean, you walk just in there like you own the bank. Because you got a piece of paper that says you got $1,500. You just made $1,500. But you haven't actually seen the money. You have seen something that represents the money. Here's your check. Why what's your problem with this? Here's your check, see? Cash it. Okay. So, listen, he said, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. All right, now, I hope you, I hope you have that. I've got to move on. Now, listen to this. The prayer of faith has nothing to do with sight. Say sight. Sight. Say sight. Or let's say it this way. Faith has nothing to do with what you see. Faith only comes into operation when you can't see. <laughs> oh, boy. Why did I say that for you? What? <laughs> Faith has nothing to do with sight. Now, when I use sight, I have another way of expressing that because sight connotes eyes, usually. You, right away, you, thought, you think of visual perception. And, and that's not good enough because your eyes are sensory perceptors. They're put in your physical body so that you can perceive the environment around you visually. But you also have ears that allows you to perceive the environment around you audibly. You also have a sense of smell so that you can perceive the odors and aromas around you through your nose. You have a tongue that has taste buds on it so that when you put something in your mouth, it can make it distinguish, uh, it can distinguish between different kinds of taste, sour, sweet, spicy, hot, mild, etc. And then you have digitals fingers. You have fingers. They're also called digitals. And these, these fingers allow you through touch. Ooh, ooh that's hot. Or, ooh, that's cold. I can perceive. So instead of saying sight, I like to use the word perceived by the senses. Perceived by the senses. So that means seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, or touching. Faith has nothing to do with seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, and touching. Nothing. If you can see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, or touch it, you don't need any faith. You don't need any faith. 
Faith only works and comes into operation when you can't see, can't smell, can't taste, can't touch, and can't hear. So anything that you can see or perceive by your senses, there is no faith involved in. You don't need it. All you need are eyes to see with, ears to hear with, the nose to smell with, the tongue to taste with, and digitals or fingers to touch. All right. Having said that, go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Again, very familiar. But we, you need, we, got, we have to string these together to get the maximum benefit because they, they work together. But like I said before, you can't put everything in one verse. It's impossible. And this is very familiar. I know it's familiar ground to you. But, 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 you need to get it. All right, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is, now those three words right there go right back to Mark eleven twenty four. If you see the relationship. He said, what things do you desire when you pray? Well, when you pray is now. Whenever you pray is now. I don't care when you pray, it's, it's got to be now. It has to be now. I don't care when you pray. If you pray in the month of April, it'll be now. If you pray in the month of June, it'll be now. If you pray in the month of July, it will be now. If you pray on Thanksgiving Day in the year 2002, it will be now when you pray on Thanksgiving Day. If you pray on... December 25th, Christmas Day, uh, it'll be now. Okay. Now, this verse here, Hebrews 11.1, 1, I mean, just very clearly denotes the fact that faith is always now. So if, it, if, it's, if you're thinking, you're speaking, and you're acting is not now, then you're not in faith. Faith only deals with now. See, look, what it, look at what it says. Now, faith is. Is, is always present tense. And present tense simply means now. If it's yesterday, then it's not now. If it's tomorrow, it's not now. Well, I know the Lord is going to make a way someday. See, that's a beautiful statement, but it's not a statement of faith. And it will produce no results for you. Now, it'll make you feel better about the future, psychologically, but it will never change your circumstances because you're not in faith. Well, I know, I, I know, I know God is going... See, when you say God is going to, going to, going to going to, you've already said that he hasn't done it. And he said he has, and you said he's going to, so there's no agreement. It can't work. <laughs> All right. Now, faith is. Because, see, you could say faith was. That would be past tense, right? You could say, well, faith will be. That's future but when he says, now faith is. That's right now. Okay. Okay, what about now faith is? Well, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, I'm hoping for something, and faith becomes the substance. So that tells me that hope, standing alone, doesn't have any substance to it. Hope doesn't have anything that my senses, sight, smell, taste, hearing, or touching, that I'll ever be able to contact. Hope is the goal setter. Hope sets the goal, but it has no ability to go get the goal. All hope will do, and you have to have hope because it goes with faith, but it's not faith. It simply goes with it. But faith is what? Faith is that part that goes and gets what you hope for. Hope sets the goal. What hope will do, hope will impact your attitude about the circumstances that you find yourself in. But your hope will never change the circumstances. Faith will change the circumstances. Hope, all hope does is affect your attitude about the circumstances. What hope will do is let you smile while the ship is sinking. 
No, I didn't say that to be funny. What hope will do, give you a good attitude. You, will, you won't be going down. Ah, what are we going to do? Ah, we're going to drown. Ah. You know, that. No, you go down with a smile on your face, but you're still going to drown. Hope will affect your attitude about the circumstances whereby faith will change it. But you have to have hope because hope is what sets the goal. Hope is like that in Mark 11, 24, the desire part. It, it sets the goal out there. But then I have to have a way to reach the goal. All right. So that tells me that that hope without faith connected to it has no substance, materiality, tangibility, nothing that I can ever see, smell, taste, touch, touch, or hear. So I've got to add my faith to get to my hope to give my hope substance, something that someday I can actually see, smell, taste, hear, or touch. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? All right. Then he says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I also notice the word T-H-I-N-G-S. It's used in that verse twice. Things. See, not spirituals. This is not spiritual. He's talking about things. He says... Now faith is the substance of things, not the substance of ideas, not the substance of something in your mind. It's the substance of things, okay? Then he says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Again, we get into that visual thing. The word seen connotes the idea of visual. I, but I, again, I want to use the substitute that I gave you. Not, not seen, but perceived by the senses. Now, that's the part that becomes very frightening to humans because what it literally means is that in order to walk by faith, hear this well. Raise your right hand. Point one finger up. Say, I'll, I'll hear this. Say, I'll hear this. I said, say, I'll hear this. Okay, listen carefully. Listen carefully. It says that faith is the evidence. The best definition of evidence is proof. And, and what is the purpose of proof? Well, proof substantiates or validates the existence of something that you don't presently have. Because if you had it, you wouldn't have to have any proof of it. You'd have it. Right? Right? I, gotta get, I wanna be sure you're on the same track. Are we, are we still together? Okay. All right, now watch this now. So he said that faith is the evidence or the proof of things that are not perceived by the senses. So here comes the frightening part in the natural. It's just frightening, scary. What it means then, in order to walk by faith, you have to leave the world of the senses. And that's scary. The reason that it is is because everything you have ever learned, you've learned it through your senses. Everything you've ever learned, you have learned it through your senses. Blind a man's eyes, puncture his ears so he can't hear, take out his ability to smell, to taste, and to touch. He can't know anything about the environment around him. He's helpless. He can't know anything. A blind man can't know a thing visually about his environment. He don't know where. He don't know what this night, day, sunshine, cloudy. He can't tell if it's red, brown, yellow, or green. Right? If a man is blind. Okay, compound that by destroying his ability to hear. Now he can't hear anything. He can't hear, so he's like, he can't know. He don't know what's going on around him. Hearing. I mean, a big truck coming down this road at him. He can't hear because he can't hear. Can't taste anything. Can't touch anything. He's helpless. So everything we've ever learned, all of our educational systems are based upon the senses. Everything. You go to school based on the senses. That's not wrong. It's great the realm of the senses but when you come to God you got to leave the realm of the senses and that is a frightening thing in the natural because you can no longer rely on eyes nose tongue hearing and touching that's what separates the men from the boys folks think they bad till you get down to that part now we're gonna move can't see nothing can't smell nothing can't hear nothing can't taste anything can't touch anything where am I Huh? So, if, 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 if faith is the evidence or the proof, 
see right there lets you know that faith must be something. It, it's a tangible substance spiritually. Spiritually. Not physically, but spiritually. See, there's, see we think of, of spirits like Casper, is a friendly ghost. You know, like, like, you know, he just passes through the walls and stuff like that. And, and, and so there's no substance there. But spirits have substance. They have shape. They have tangibility, but it's just in the spirit world. See, John, was, when John was on the island of Patmos, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he, when he said he saw God, he couldn't describe it. It was just so, so electrifying. The, the sight was just so dazzling to him. It was beyond his ability to comprehend. And, but he did say this. He said he saw one sitting on the throne. Now, so whatever was there had to have some kind of substance for John to know that he wasn't standing. Because there's a difference between a standing posture and a seated posture. Then, then John said, I saw in the right hand of him. Oh, wait a minute, right hand. Oh, at least he, had, he must have had a, he would have to then have at least another hand. One more at least. Because you never use the word right unless to distinguish from left. So God had shape, God had substance in the spirit world. It's just a different world. So when we walk by faith, we have to leave the realm of the senses and, 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 and that gets scary. Because I can't, I, nothing tangible. But he said, faith is the evidence. So you can see, if faith is the evidence or the proof of things that are not seen or perceived by the senses, then that tells us that things must exist in another realm or another world if you would outside this physical three-dimensional world you know why because it is an impossibility to have proof of something that doesn't exist you can't have evidence for something that doesn't exist huh so all of these things tied together so then faith is evidence. Now, faith is based on this. That's why this is so important. Well, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't understand the Bible. Oh, that, that was the smartest thing you said this year. That, that's a gem. That's really a gem. Poor old dumb God. So senile, so ancient, decrepit, and out of touch and out of tune with the time gave us a book to direct our lives that we couldn't understand. That, that makes a lot of sense. Gilbert, that, that's brilliant. I wish I had thought of that. Man, that's brilliant. Yeah, you can understand it if you're willing to take the time. You, you, you have to take the time. You can understand it because God wouldn't give you something you couldn't understand. But I understand that clock, and that clock is telling me I'm out of time. So stay right Oh, wow, that Fred Price, God bless him. Awesome man of God, awesome teacher in the body of Christ. And what I want you to take from lesson number two is you have to leave the realm of the senses and just trust God. You cannot walk by what you see, by what you hear outside of God's word, by what you feel, by what you smell, and by what you taste. You just have to t trust God. So, saints, I hope you are getting something from this lesson. And for those of you who want to know, uh, when am I going to teach my next series? It's not going to be a series, but after this series, The Prayer of Faith, I will be teaching a one-episode lesson entitled, Do You Have? The testimony of Jesus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Boy, that is going to be an eye opener. And you will learn things you have never learned before about the testimony of Jesus. Because you have to have it in order to be saved. So until next time, saints, I want you to study the scriptures you wrote down. Meditate on this message. Don't try to lean on your own understanding. That's where most people fall. You have to leave the realm of the senses. Go into the spiritual realm and just believe God and take him at his word. Oh, yes. So until next time, peace out.
hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.